I love you. Love you. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Nomine Patris Filii Spiritui Sancto Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus Tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tua Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pravus peccatoribus, nunc et in ordo mortis nostrae. Amen. Nomine Patris Filii Spiritui Sancto Amen. Okay. So now we're actually good. Welcome. To the final stronghold, an unapologetically Catholic podcast. I married a couple. I did it again. Welcome to the Final Stronghold, an unapologetically Catholic and married podcast. podcast. Eventually that will come naturally. Something like that. It's going to have to, otherwise I'm going to sit here looking like an idiot for every episode. (laughs) Who are we? Where am I? Okay. Uh, So let's just get this out of the way. Who are we? Mm -hmm. Unapologetically Catholic and married. That's who we are. That's all that's sufficient for everybody watching. (laughs) And or slash listening. Um, well, okay, so I'll go first, right? Because that's my job. Uh, so I'm Pierce. I am the administrator slash main personality of Catholic Guardians, the former podcast, YouTube channel, Instagram page. We're on Facebook, but I hate Facebook, so like we never interact on that. Um, so I, I run Catholic Guardians. Um, you run Mrs. Catholic Guardians, which is uh, your personal page. Yes. And you're my wife, begrudgingly, sometimes, I'm sure. <laughs> Not true. Um, so that, like, that's me. I mean, I, I guess I can go. Like, I'm a convert to the faith like, from a really run, really wrong age, a really young age. Um, converted in the second grade. I had, like, a come-to-God moment, like, God talked to me. Um Converted, fell in love with the faith, turned 16 or 17, and like most 16 or 17-year-olds who were, like in essence, raised in a like a, a pretty lukewarm Catholic family, Catholic school, I really fell away from the faith. I didn't fall away from it. It wasn't like I fell. I walked away from a lot of it. And then... Um, Surprisingly, my life fell to, you know, shit and uh, came back to the faith. Um, You and I got married, um, pumped out a bunch of babies. Still doing that pretty effectively, (laughs) I might add. Um, And then this kind of like this, this I think is um, our passion like marriage and um, well, like I'm going to just like jump ahead. Like we're a warrior family and that is our passion. Like talking to other Catholics about it, not just Catholics. So like this, what I don't want people to think is that this is like a Catholic marriage podcast. Correct. We'll talk about marriage. We'll talk about being married. We'll talk about Catholic marriage, but this is not like a, you know, Like, if I was a dude and my wife sent me this podcast, I wouldn't want to vomit 10 seconds in because, like, every girl on the podcast is like, oh, my gosh. So, the spirit (laughs) talked to me today, and I was, like, halfway through my mocha cappuccino. Like, it's not a girly podcast. This isn't, like, I'm some beta soy boy husband who's, like, sitting here with his wife talking about, like, the beauty. And there is beauty in marriage. I'm not... Like, that's not this. This isn't, like, your typical 
married couple podcast. Like we're going to talk about rough, hard things and um, all about being like actual warriors, not just like intellectual limp wristed Catholics who can only like fight in books. But like, you know, Timothy Gordon talks about this, like you want to like crush somebody on the stage and then be able to drag them off it and then kick the crap out of them off the stage physically. Not that you necessarily need to do that every, you know, debate that you have, but like the, the age for the intellectual only Catholic has passed. Um, so like the older days where like you could intellectually, you know, walk around and be like, Oh, well, I'm, you know, super masculine because I know all this stuff. It's like, well, that's great. But you know, you look like a Tootsie Roll. So that's, <laughs> that's not good. And you look like the Michelin <clears throat> man or like the scary ghost thing from Ghostbusters. Like mm-hmm. those days are over. And now it's time to talk about like actual warriors, like intellectual warrior monks who have swords and go out and put on helmets and wage wars. That's what we're here about. We're here to talk about all aspects of that, like married to that, building that in your marriage, building that in your kids, building that in yourself, and then going out and actually like waging war against evil and, and, and culture. I feel like our story has been nothing but a battle for our faith. We really have been fighting. I so need to insert like <laughs> that Jordan, uh, the black chick singer, Jordan something or other. She did like, oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Like that song. <laughs> it really has though. It really has. So I'm Kirsten Pierce's wife. Clearly this would be very awkward if we weren't married doing a Catholic married slash not married topic podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came from a broken home, had no experience with faith. Don't mind me. I'm just reaching across. I'm not just your gains. You know, my mom jumped around to different Protestant par- you know, churches randomly growing up. But I went to, ironically, Catholic school for three years in middle school and was the only non-Catholic there yet received the Catholic award upon graduation in eighth grade was totally a brat the entire time I was there, but it was the only place that felt like home. Um, I just to digress a little bit. We were not allowed to be baptized when we were younger, according to. Um, I don't really want to. Your dad. Yeah. We'll save that. Yeah. For a different. We'll episode. save that. I don't want to go into too much detail with that, and you know, get a little segued here, but. I really felt a calling back to that. It was home. The church was home. It was beautiful. It was very reverent. And I felt a calling to that in my 20s. And you and I had already met. We were best friends for years. We did the math on on the first time we recorded this. It's like 200 years now. It might as well be because You're this is than me and stuff. by three months and a couple days. That's but you so think it was years? I mean, count that in seconds and that's... So we, best friends, were both available, realized we were being called to this vocation of marriage and having all the Catholic babies. And we had about a five-minute conversation of, okay, are we going to get married in the church and raise our children Catholic? And yes, yes, yes. And you did a Catholic litmus check on me, test on me. How did you call that? It was hilarious. It was a Catholic litmus test. Thank you. Not witness. I thought I said witness. Did you? I should um, 
how you should have like a flashing warning sign on this video about how I have permanent pregnancy brain and I'll talk but the words come out as pancake instead of something a little bit more fancy than that. Well, just so. put it like as like a running thing on the yes. bottom, like CNN fact check. <laughs> she meant to say this. <laughs> I meant to say this. Ooh. Uh, see, and I totally forgot where we were going with that one. So you did the, the litmus so, yeah, test. It wasn't like a litmus test. It was more or less like we. I didn't want to. I didn't want to flirt to convert, right? I didn't want to mm -hmm. be like we should get married, but you know, only if you want to be Catholic because like that. That never works, right? Um, so I asked you kind of just like the fundamentals, the tenets of the church. Yes. And asked if it was something that you believed in and you like you Whipped said, out all my sixth, seventh, and eighth grade yeah. knowledge, which I remembered. I was very excited about that. Um, you said we yes were, to all of it, which made it really easy yes. because then it was, I mean, it was, you were pretty Catholic right off the bat. So um, we were married civilly and then started the RCA process. I think we should like caution people. Yes. yes. We did everything <laughs> the way that we tell people the to not way possible. do things, right? So the like when we possible. say don't do this, we did We're it. Speaking from experience. Right? And so what I always like to tell people is like the exception to the rule does not negate the rule, mm -hmm. it proves it, right? Yes. So when we talk about and we won't get into it much in this episode, but we'll definitely get into it in, in subsequent episodes. Excuse me. We did everything backwards. Absolutely <laughs> everything. Yes. We did everything backwards and everything wrong mm -hmm. at the beginning. But it bears good fruit. Doing things wrong? No, no, no. Our story. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it'll, it's like, hey, don't stab yourself in the face. Mm -hmm. Right. Like so it hurts. We were married lot. civilly, started RCIA, and that's what really you did RCIA. I started RCIA. I was already confirmed. And I kept coming home and telling you about the things that I had been privy to. And that's what started your dive into apologetics. Yeah. So like you would come home and you would be like, Mr. Buttface McFarthead said X, this. Y, and Z. And your head exploded. And I would have a coronary. And then my job would be to pull out the catechism, open it up, and then to tell you what the Catholic Church actually teaches. Because at the time, I was like roughly well-educated as far as church beliefs. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not an idiot. And I understand like the natural teaching of the church. And at some points, it was difficult for me to like disprove something even though I knew intrinsically that it was wrong. Mm -hmm. So I'd go to the catechism and the catechism is a really good tool for proving idiots wrong because it gives not only what the church believes but why they believe it, scriptural basis, um, things like that. So you'd come home, you'd be taught something incorrectly that I knew was wrong and then it was a good opportunity for us because we got to kind of walk through what the church believed. It was a re-catechesis for me while a proper catechesis for you. And I feel like that's and where that's our what, battle started. Yeah, like that was, I think the very beginning because, you know, like, and I talked about this on the other page a lot, like that dude taught you his opinion of the faith, not the faith itself. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you'd come home with like this ass hats opinion. And which I knew was wrong. Yes. It bothered me, but I couldn't articulate or argue why. And I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still yeah. 
so that drove that drove me into apologetics. And then fast forward, I was teaching confirmation classes at our parish. We went to a Novus Ordo parish. I was teaching confirmation. I had a great director of religious ed. I mean, like the woman was fantastic. Um, but it came to a point where like she was bound to do specific things that the pastor was asking. And like we, like she would allow me to go as far as I could go without like really stepping on parents' toes, kids' toes, or the, like pissing the pastor off. And it was really frustrating me because we were leaving kids <clears throat> in more of a state of confusion than we were not. So I ended up leaving and I was really pissed off. And, you know, men, I want you to really understand, like, this is the power of a, a, a well-founded marriage. I came home pissed off. And I was complaining and I was angry about oh, I remember this everything. And you turned to me and you were like, well, why don't you just start a podcast? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just go start a podcast. Right. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Throw that in my face too. Blah, blah, blah. No, but like you were serious. Like start a podcast. Like talk to people. Yeah. Like if, if the pastor and in essence the, the director won't let you say these things that you feel that need to be said – go start a platform where you can say that. And even if you only change one mind, mm -hmm. that'll be for the better. And so I, I think the next day I was at Best Buy buying like all of yeah. this. Within an hour, stuff. you'd started the Catholic Guardians page. You'd already come up with a logo. And you already had your first posts ready. It was beautiful. Oh, I'm, I'm fast on the draw. You really are. You're amazing. So that, that led us to this podcast here. Long story short. Yeah, so long story short, Categories has been going for about three years. Um, you know, two, two, we got about 11,000 followers, which is incredible. Um, and you started doing like quote unquote guest appearances. And uh, like the feedback. Apparently people like hearing from me, which still boggles my I mind. I know, like the feedback was incredible. Um, so what we decided was, Instead of diluting the message of Catholic Guardians, which is unapologetically masculine for Catholic men, mm -hmm. um, we would keep Catholic Guardians as an unapologetically masculine page for guys, about guys, from guys, and we would make this, which is for all Catholics, and we'll be able to give this really cool perspective, not only from uh, a, a truly authentically masculine perspective, but a truly authentically feminine perspective, and then as a married couple, and then as parents, right? Yes. So, like, it's not just like, hey, we're a couple, and, you know, like, check this out. This is what married couples thinks. It's like, this is what a man thinks. This is what a woman thinks. And, like, a true woman, not some, you know, feminazi bull dyke. Like a real woman thinks this and a real man thinks this. And then together they come up with this as a couple. And then as parents, they come up with it. So you're getting like all of these really healthy perspectives in an authentic Catholic way. Yep. So the final stronghold. Which is just another term for the domestic church. Yeah. We're the final, the final battle against, uh, between God and, um, Satan is going to be waged over the family. Mm -hmm. And we all, so this, this leads us into why, why we're doing this. We all see that Catholic families are failing everywhere. And 
it can seem daunting and intimidating and fruitless to, you know, and almost in essence, kind of like throw dirt into the wind. But we're here as one more voice in the growing number of voices out there talking about the same thing. And it's about the strength of the family is going to lead the church back to the right course. Um, it's going to put the church back on course. You know, Bishop or, you know, Venerable Fulton Sheen, or I think he's venerable right now. I think you're right. Um, said that, you know, now is the time for the lady. And, mm-hmm. you know, damn it, he's right. But and not in some like, you know, like, oh, we're just going to pray this through. And, you know, like not to discount the power of prayer because yes. prayer is very powerful. But this isn't like a, like, prayer only. Like we're going to give you legitimate material things that you can do to affect change in your daily life. For you and your spouse. Yeah, for and you, your, your spouse, and your those kids. Around you. Especially those around mm-hmm. you. Because, you know, obviously if you're listening to this, you're, you're, you're looking for answers, which means you're way further forward than, you yes. know, the other people who still have their head in the sand and they don't know it yet. Yeah. So that's, so- that's why we titled our first episode origins of a warrior family and what better way than to dive into scripture and give some really good examples of what to do and what not to do. Yeah. So the origins of the warrior family, um, we're going to go over, just kind of give everybody like a a brief summary is what does it mean? Why is it important? We're going to give you examples from the old Testament of Uh, failures of the warrior family. And then we're going to give you New Testament examples of the successes of warrior families. And then we're going to end with how to establish um, a warrior family in in your own home. So that way we're not just like talking at you. We're going to give you the why, what it looks like, what is the definition, and then how to start building that. Um, And then further episodes will be um, more specific, we'll talk about warrior husbands, warrior wives, warrior children, um, so that you can kind of clue into more specific details about each aspect. But the best way, I think, is just to kind of like slap you with as much stuff as possible, see what sticks, and then kind of work from there. I love it. Okay? So, I love it. Um, what does being a warrior family really mean? So, obviously... You know, like the first is you're all warriors, right? And warriors within the confines of your position in life, right? So, you know, for, for you know, some of you have, I'm sure, figured it out by now. Um, I'm a veteran. I did my time in the Marine Corps. Um, not everybody in the Marine Corps pulls triggers, right? There are guys out there who love pulling triggers and that's what they're really good at. And you let them do that. And then there are cooks who suck at pulling triggers, but they're really good at cooking. And then there are supply guys who suck at cooking and suck at shooting, but are really good at making sure that the cooks have food to cook. And then the, the, the guys in the infantry have guns and ammo, right? So everybody has a specific job that all, culminates in the accomplishment of the mission, right? So cooks don't win wars, but cooks participate in the accomplishment of the mission. Marines can't go out and do combat if they're hungry, 
right? So supply guys, make sure that they're fed when they're in garrison, make sure they get fed when they're back on base. And then when they're out, supply also make sure that they've got MREs, food mm-hmm. on the battlefield with them. So all of this is, uh, 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 it culminates in whatever mission or task you're geared with. Everybody contributes equally in, I don't like using the equal in dignity because it kind of comes off as kind of, you know, Vatican II-y. Everyone contributes. Not, not like success. I'm against Vatican II. Everybody yeah. contributes equally in their way in their role. to the accomplishment of the mission. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the people on the front line do more work, but their work is not disproportionate. Excuse me. I'm burping a lot. This carbonated stuff is... Sorry. <laughs> that carbonated Oh, I totally just water. hit you with it. Thanks, darling. Sorry. Um, so everybody's got a job, and everybody contributes equally to accomplishing that. And the warrior's family, or the warrior family's job is to assist in the production of warriors for Christ, right? Well-rounded, intelligent, feminine, and masculine Catholics who are going to serve the Lord to the best of their ability. Mm -hmm. That's what a warrior family does. They're not going to go out and exercise demons, right? Like we're not going to be Protestants and, you know, like create like an exorcism circle and like oh, hold yeah. our Bible. Be gone, Satan! Right? Like we're not going to do proddy stuff. We're going to go out and do Catholic things. We're going to make Catholic babies. We're going to make warriors for Christ. We're going to raise them to be tough. We're going to raise them to be feminine. We're going to raise them to, to do right by Christ and to follow the rules that Christ set out and that we'll get into in a minute of what happens when it goes wrong and how to avoid that. Yes, 100%. Well, I think we should just jump right into Adam and Eve. Let's just do the first example here because that sets the stage. The tone. The tone. Sets the tone. Well, How do humans suck at being warrior families? Ugh. And so Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. The first attack on humanity right. for the family was 100% Adam and Eve. Yeah. So um, I loved – so again, like I'll, I'll repeat the story because they've never heard it. I've heard it. You've heard it a couple we, times We all now. heard this beautifully, you and I, uh-huh. last week. So I listened to this Protestant talk on warrior families, right? Because I pretty much just Googled warrior family podcast <laughs> and like a couple episodes came up. But it was really interesting. The guy had this really cool point. In the order of, like, the origin story, right? Satan doesn't come onto the scene until marriage. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, God creates all the animals, and God creates the heavens and the earth, and you know, the skies and the water. Like, oh, God, God's, you know, Bob Ross in it, right? Just like, oh, a little squirrel right here. Insert Bob Ross image on the video. I'm going to find like a Steven Crowder Bob Ross. (laughs) Happy little trees. Happy little birds. Right? So God creates. And then he creates Adam. And then God takes from Adam and creates the woman. Right? And then Adam names her woman, which is from man. Like that's what the, the, the name means. And that's... When in Genesis, we get marriage, right? Is this pulled up? It is. Oh, it is ready for you. Is it in the bookmark? It is. Golly, man. So that's the beginning. In the beginning. Okay. In the beginning. Where? Chapter 2. 
Yeah. Okay, so it's uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Quote, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two of them become one body. 25, the man and his wife were both naked, yet felt no shame. So in verse 25, chapter 2, we get the first marriage, right? So Adam and Eve are now husband and wife as God has planned mm -hmm. for humanity, right? Which, long story short, is a stick in the eye to everybody who believes in the singlehood vocation. <laughs> We're not episode, here to make people happy. Episode Hence to come. Signs, if you're watching, yeah. above our head here. Well, I'm sure somebody will... You'll get some kind some of Some keyboard warrior will tell me about it. Anyway, so Satan doesn't come onto the scene until after Adam and Eve are married, right? Yes. Not like, you know, it like this is just like us reading scripture. Obviously, we weren't there. He was probably like, I, I can sure, I can be sure that, that Satan was always there, right? Yes. But in the story, and I don't mean story is like it's fictitious, but Satan doesn't really start his attack until marriage is created because mm -hmm. marriage is the vehicle that will create his own demise. Yes. And although Satan is highly intelligent, he can't read the future. He understands and can like hedge his bets and make really good wagers. And he understands the danger of a healthy marriage between a man in love with God and a woman in love with God and in love with each other, how dangerous of a threat that is to Satan and his goal. And the fruit that comes from that yes. correct, unified marriage. I mean, the devil doesn't have his own clay. All he can do is try to pervert that which is already there. So, goes wrong right at the beginning with Adam and Eve. Right. So the devil comes down and turns the husband against his wife. Um, so uh, I think that my favorite part when you're when you're speaking to anybody on this is to talk about the true first. Besides going into what actually mm -hmm. happened, which we're all well versed. I think that's my big the big hitter. Yeah. So like. Ask nine out of ten Catholics who were, you know, like, oh, I did 12 years in Catholic school. That makes me, you know, the next Scott Hahn. Um, so the first sin in the Bible, if you read the book, the first sin that you read is the devil tempts the woman. She looks at the fruit and she's like, oh, it looks yummy. I'll eat it. And then she eats it. Right. So there's the first sin because she actually like while she's talking to, to Satan about the fruit, that's temptation, but when she grabs the fruit and she eats of it, that's the first sin. And then she sins again by giving the fruit to Adam. But is this one pulled up too? Mm-hmm. It's the next page. That's transparent. Okay. Um, where is it? It's right here. Okay. So, uh, woman saw the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and the tree was desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. Colon, semicolon, the one with the comma in it. And she also gave some to her husband, comma, who was with her and he ate it. So the first sin in the Bible is not necessarily that Eve eats the fruit. It's that Adam and his dumbass is sitting there watching Satan tempt his wife 
lying to her. And he knows that Satan's lying because Adam got the same marching orders as Eve to not eat the fruit. And yet he does nothing. So Adam fails as a husband right off the bat to cultivate an environment that is safe spiritually and physically for his wife. Mm -hmm. Right. So, cause I mean, God's pretty clear. Like you eat it, you'll die. Don't eat it. And like, they're hanging out near the tree. Like, why would you, why would you go near the tree? Like of all of the trees in paradise, like the one tree that'll effing kill you. They're like, Hey, look, let's just party right here for a little bit. Not a big deal. Right. Like he's the ultimate Homer Simpson. <laughs> right. Just like fat and dumb sitting there like, Oh, Marsh, who are you talking to? Like, Oh, don't worry about it. It's just devil. So Satan tempts the wife in front of the husband and the husband does nothing. So again, the warrior family starts and ends with the husband, right? It, it, the buck stops with him and Adam fails completely and utterly. And then he goes on to be even more of an idiot by then, like blaming his wife, like, Oh, it's her fault. And well, you put her here, God, like, Oh, didn't you know she was going to screw this up? Like, Oh, like, how dare you put her here? Like, Oh, like this isn't my fault. So like Adam screws the pooch a lot in the first couple chapters, right? So that's where it goes wrong. It goes wrong with Adam and Eve. We all know that we bring original sin in. we're all tempted. And then there's like an entire chapter of stuff that goes wrong. Like God's like, okay, not only are you going to die, but this is what else you get. Work is going to suck. Labor is going to suck. Mm -hmm. Childbirth is going to be painful. Da, 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 da. Oh, and BT dubs, I'm evicting you from this real bomb diggy like <laughs> garden that I made for you idiots. So like, it's not just a single punishment. It's a generational punishment that's excruciatingly bad for humanity. And it starts starts at the beginning. And I realized Eve is the first feminist. Yeah, right? And so like a lot of people have referred to Eve as like the first feminist mm -hmm. because she tries to position outside herself of her outside of her duties, right? Mm -hmm. So like, and Adam allows her to do that, right? Which is like, like that's Adam being a feminist too. Like, oh no, I think... Men and women are totally equal in everything. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, is that? That's, yeah. Yeah. That's the first one. It really. Did we just knock all of those out? Babe, you hit number four on the head. I'm good at that. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can do that one if you'd like. Which one? I'm a nerd. I have an outline. Bullet point four subsection C. Well, because otherwise I'll uh, forget and I'll be like two hours later. I'll be like, oh, like let me edit this in because I'll remember this. Yes, um, yes. So from the beginning, Satan is driving this wedge between all participants in marriage, right? So the three parties in the marriage are the mm -hmm. husband, the wife, and God. Not in that order, right? But there are three relationships. There's the relationship between the husband and God, the wife and God, and then the husband and the wife. And Satan does everything in his power to wedge himself in between all three of those relationships, mm -hmm. trying to separate. Because if he can, again, like if he can break one of those links, the others fall much easier. Right? So mm -hmm. like, what's that line from uh, The Princess Bride? Like, 
The number thing you don't do is... Uh, oh, my Lord. You are the king of movie quotes. You don't fight a land war in Asia. Right? That was... Anyway, you don't... <laughs> it's harder to fight a battle on two fronts or three fronts. And so Satan is always trying to attack all three fronts. He'll attack a husband and a wife. He'll attack their relationship. And then he'll go after the relationship that the husband and the wife or one or the other mm -hmm. will have with God. And he'll just wedge himself in between them as he did between Adam and God, Adam and Eve, Eve and God. He drives the wedge because he makes Eve feel like she's better than God and in many ways, she attempts to become better than God by eating of the fruit that is supposed to grant her all of this knowledge. He drives a wedge between Adam and God because after they sin, they feel the shame of being naked. So they hide, they go get dressed, right? Or they, mm -hmm. they fashion clothes. And then God's like strolls through the garden. He's like, hey, like, where are you guys at? And Adam's like, oh, we're over here. And God's like, why are you hiding? And Adam's like, oh, we're naked. Like a true father looking for his parent or his like, kids like his who kids. are off, off doing goodness like, gracious like who knows you, what. Like it's never the noise as a parent that scares you. Oh, it's the true? silence, right? So God's in the garden and it's where awfully quiet. Where are you? Like, where are you guys? What have you done? The moment they walk out and they're covered in Sharpie, that was Adam and Eve yeah. coming out with their fashion clothes. And then you look at him and you're like, what? where, the where were you? <laughs> They're like, oh, we uh, we hid because we were naked, and God's so like, you did it, didn't you? You how, did it. How'd you know you were naked? And Adam's like, you did it. You gave her. She to me. did it to me first, right? So like, it's but it's like it's exactly how like an infantile child would act. Yes, right. So that's how God separates, or that's how Satan separates Adam from God, and then. You know, inherently when sin enters into a relationship, now there's distrust between husband and wife. So there's Satan driving this giant wedge, this three-way wedge between Adam and Eve, Eve and God, and then Adam and God. And when one wall crumbles, the rest just falls. It, it makes it a lot easier, right? Like you, you can't have an intact castle that's defendable, defensible if one wall is like missing. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and that really ties into the generational sins we're going to see through the rest of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So and their family, that sin. And it, like, I don't want to get into like the, 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 I'll use sin in like a general term. That failure, that sin has effects. Of a true all, warrior family. Yeah. Like, it, like the effects of the family. And we'll see it. We'll go over a couple examples of like how family fails so often and so horribly all throughout the rest of scripture until we get to the new Testament where we get the new Adam and the new Eve and things get unscrewed up, right? We're given a good example of what Adam and Eve should have been, but failed. Yes. Failed to do I'm done with this mineral. I will water. never give you carbonated the mineral, mineral water ever it again. It must be infused with burp. It's because got, that's you know, all it's got probably healthy stuff, which is why your body is like my alcohol. just, you know, getting rid of it. Okay. So. Hit us with the first one. Oh, is that me? Okay. Um, Abraham. So. <clears throat> oh, man. Abraham. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I like Abraham. Like in the Bible, like he's got some really like he's a ballsy dude. Right. He's so ballsy. He like heck not. He doesn't heckle God. He. Um. Negotiates not the Admon word. Admonitions? No, like what do you either. do like when you're like 
I don't want to use like a racial, not a racial term. I don't want to use like a janky term. Like when you're negotiating with somebody, <clears throat> they do it in other Strong cultures. Strong-arming? Is that what you're, oh man, I'm horrible no, at this. like when you go to like uh, like a third world country and you negotiate price, oh, haggle. That's the word I'm looking for. Abraham haggles with God. Yes. Right? At, at, uh, at Sodom and Gomorrah, God's like, I'm going to scorch this town. And uh, Abraham is like, well, like, what if there's a hundred dudes? <laughs> and God's like, all right. Five. Okay, if there's a hundred okay. dudes, I'll save the town. But then I'll scorch it if there's not. And then Abraham's like, well, well, well. What, if, what if there's ten dudes? And then God's like, okay, if there's ten dudes, I'll save the town. But if there's 11, fire and brimstone. And then Abraham's like, well, what if there's more? It's like haggle to the max. So I like Abraham, but Abraham sucks in the beginning, right? And then like usually we'll see that through scriptures, like these father figures as heads of the house generally suck at the beginning and then write themselves with God. But their screw-ups have monumental, long-lasting consequences. Mm -hmm. So Abraham is married. Him and his wife don't have any kids. And they're getting impatient because God had promised Abraham to be the father of a great multitude. And Abraham's like, well, it's going to be really difficult because I, I ain't got no kids. So his wife inappropriately tells her husband, she's like, well, maybe you'll have lots of kids, just not with me frowny face go sleep with what's go, her face? go sleep with uh you know skanky mcskankerson and and tent number two and then abraham being like some dummy was like well because you asked sweetie like i'll do it so he goes off sleeps she gets pregnant and then what does god do god's like bam she's pregnant too <laughs> so abraham was like no kids to like two kids one baby mama one with his wife mm-hmm so like Abraham is impatient and he doesn't trust in the Lord and the Lord's, um, not prophecy, but in the Lord's, um, I think prophecy is a good word. Yeah, like the Lord prophesied, yeah, his promise. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. So the Lord promised him and Abraham lacks in his faith. And so Abraham screws the pooch well, look and at ends up, too. yeah, so if then the key word for the week is schism, right? So look at this oh, yeah. schism. Yeah. So then, then you immediately get this, right? Oh, well, we forgot to, to, to talk about that earlier with Adam and Eve with their, with their children. Right. So like, oh man, right See, off this the is bat. what happens when you have to re-record something that you nailed so perfectly the first time we're, we're just, that was me throwing gonna, the paper. I'm going to bill O'Reilly. Do it alive. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Um, because Abraham sleeps with the other woman, they have another kid. Yeah. That kid then goes on to create tribes that fight with the Jews for a long time, which mm -hmm. is devastating. There's also a fracture in the relationship between Abraham and his wife because like yeah. she encouraged him to be, um, uh, promiscuous, promiscuous What's in, the right word? To, to commit adultery, to be yeah, to sin. infidelity to him. To she her. opened up that door. What's the word I'm looking for? I, baby, you were looking at the wrong brain here. She she encourages him to be a dick. And he follows through on it. So he does it, and it doesn't go good, and then it ends up costing a lot of people a lot of lives and a lot of, mm -hmm. um, a lot. It, it, it's, it's costly. So then we move on to David, and we all know the story of David. However, 
So I'm going to start real quick with, um, I listened to the Bible in a Year podcast with Father Mike Schmitz. It's amazing. We I went back to this episode a couple weeks ago to review this in preparation for this podcast. And um, should we just, do you want to look up the story of David? I mean, do we? Look up the story of David if you don't know it. <laughs> Move on. Okay. Thank you, darling. You're Anywho, so... Um, Right, David, you know, promised great things, trust in God, and the second he starts to get lazy, and isn't this true of Catholics, the second all you, husbands. husbands, wives, all of God's people, right, the second that we as Catholics decide to step or be lazy and put aside some daily routines and stuff, that what happens when that leads us to sin? So David's job as a king during that time was to go out and fight wars and protect his land and protect his people. And the one time he decides, nope, I think I'm going to stay here and take a nap. I'm going to, I'm just going to meander through my, my land and my palace. And I'm not going to go out and fight the war that is my responsibility. I'm going to let others go do that for me. The rest of the mighty men. Mm -hmm. And look what happens. He just perhaps comes across a woman bathing mm -hmm. and the sin that that leads to. Yeah. So they sleep together. She has a kid. Um, he kills her husband. He kills her husband, right, to hide the sin. Well, first he tries to frame his buddy, Ugh. right? Go home. I'm going to get you drunk. Go yeah. home and sleep like, with your wife to go, cover Go up home, my sleep sin. with your wife. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, well, I'm going to stay here. <laughs> then I'm going to get you drunk, right? So, like, David goes out of his way trying to destroy the character of his friend in order to get him to be, um, to, for him to cover up the sins mm -hmm. that David has committed, right? Yes. So then that leads to David is no longer like the chosen king. And now David's children are going to die. Like well, that's painfully. The perfect point to show, even though he, he didn't haggle with God, he reconciled. He, eventually he reconciles mm -hmm. with God. He sees he screws things up but after his people start to suffer. But there's still a punishment. And right? his son dies. His son dies. Like, he's not going to be in charge of the temple. His son is going to be in charge yes. of the temple. And then that leads to its own little, you know, yes. turd show. Um, but David still suffers. And David's suffering comes at the cost of other people's suffering. And that's what we see a lot in scripture. Very rarely, and this isn't God being, like, vindictive. It's God showing us how dangerous sin is because sin is never an individual act it is like when you commit it but sin affects everybody it affects your community it affects you it affects the church like your sins and, and like we'll get into this you know much later in, in in the podcast episodes but when we start talking about marrying apparitions and how mary describes humanity's sins against her son and how much our sin hurts her Ugh. And so, you know, David's punished by losing his children, but that, like, it hurts them too. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, like God just like pulls them out in their sleep. Like they go through painful deaths, right? Yes. Next one is going to be Lot, oh, right? Man. And Lot is kind of like one of, not this untold story, but Lot is a, um, he messes up quite He messes up a lot, yeah. But not everybody understands like all of the failures of Lot. So the first failure of Lot, if we really want to look at it, is Lot is impatient, right? So Lot is with Abraham. 
and he's got his wife and he's got his kids and he's tired of schlepping his stuff through the desert. He's tired of not having like an easy life, an easy home. Let's move to the big city. Let's move to the city, right? <laughs> like that will work out well. Like, hey, you know, it's really difficult here. Let's move to San Francisco. Uh, I've heard it's really nice I, there. I think we used San Francisco last time. I too. did, yeah. Because yeah. like I think of like two crap cities. Where there's literally crap on the street. Chicago, Chicago <laughs> and San Francisco. It's like the two two worst cities that come to mind. So we digress. You digress. Lot big city. Lots like let's move to the big city, right? Because that's that's you know that's super successful. So Lot, his first failure is his impatience as a husband, right? His lack of desire to, his lack of fortitude in sacrificing for his family leads him to move his family to the big city, which has got a bullseye painted on it, oh. right? So then the next big sin. Um, or not big sin, but the next big failure of Lot is um, while, while, while Abraham yes. is haggling with God. <laughs> He's like, I actually know of one potential really good guy. Let's go like, save I know, him. I know there's one good guy in the city. You should send your angels there. So God's like, cool. Let's so see how this turns out. Angels come to Lot. Lot gets him in the house. And then all of a sudden the town folk are like, Banging on the door. Like, we want to have relations hey, with those we, gentlemen. We heard you got uh, two new cute guys. We want to bang them. And Lot's like, no, you can't do that. They're angels. But he doesn't say that. What he says is, no, don't do that. Let me give you my virgin daughters. So now Lot is not only failing to be, um, to, failing to have fortitude and courage to sacrifice for his family by moving them to the big city because it'll be easier for him. Now he's failing as a father to protect the dignity and purity of his daughters. Mm -hmm. And he's so, so willing to sacrifice the purity of his children for a temporary convenience. Right? Which which jumping back to David real quick, he did the exact same thing with his daughter. Mm -hmm. His daughter was raped by the half brother and he did not follow up on that. Follow up is the wrong term, but he did not seek justice for his daughter Yeah, in that way. So then throws his daughters or attempts to provide his daughters. To so these yeah, people. so, the so mob Lot, Lot offers them up. Um, funny thing, no good dudes in that town. So God, God starts Rush scorching it. So the angels are like, hey, we got to go. Like, yes. We got to get out of town. But if you look back at the city, it's not going to be good for you. And then this is where one of the next failures Lot has. Lot fails to protect his wife. And there's two different ways that I look at this. I look at this. The first way is Lot failed as a husband so often that he could not control his wife. And I don't mean this in like this, you you get to breathe 25 times a minute kind of control. What I mean by that is if we are out in public, mm -hmm. my wife and I, if we're out in public and I give you a command that would be around your safety or the safety of the kids, there's no negotiating no. this. I've lived a life and been the, the I've been a good enough husband to have shown you that if I'm giving a command, it's not a negotiation. It's not optional. It's not a recommendation. I'm giving a command as a head of this house. You do not like, you do hey, this. <laughs> don't go to, don't go to San Francisco 
and go down that scuzzy alley with my kids, you wouldn't be like, well, I mean, like, I mean, the alley's a shortcut. Like it looks like it's a great idea. Like, it's, it looks like fast, right? Or, like, or on the flip side, you're a beta male and the wife is recognizing that there's some lack there. Yeah. So I'm just going to take it on I'm myself. Gonna, I'm going to be the strong guy. Right. So, so Lot fails to, to set up an environment where his wife submits to him and his authority mm-hmm. as the protector of the house. Head, spiritual head of the house. Then it goes on. He physically can't stop her. Right. Mm-hmm. So like he's not physically strong enough to like shuffle his wife out of town without her stopping to look back. She looks back. Pillar of salt. Pillar of salt. Done. Wife's dead. And then we move on to Lot's children. This is the last big screw up. Where he fails to explain the state of where they're now in. And his two daughters somehow think that they're the last individuals on the planet and need to repopulate the earth. So what do they do? So Lot has two failures. The first one is Lot as a leader fails to communicate the state of the life that they're in. Now, this is the, so like, this is where we'll we'll get into some parenting advice. You don't need to explain to your kids every difficult part of life, right? Mm -hmm. Do not crush your children's childhood by explaining how crappy things are. But at the same time, you need to give your kids enough information that they can make good decisions and submit to your authority correctly without devastating them as children, mm-hmm. right? They just lost their mom. <clears throat> so kids are kids are momless, beta dad, they're up in the hills. He hasn't communicated that they're not the last people, that they're only hiding in the hills. He's yeah. probably got some shame after losing his wife and, you know, like volunteering mm-hmm. their hopefully. virginities and purity. Hopefully One he would feels. Think. Um, but he fails to do his job as a good husband and then as a good father. So they think they're the last one. And then this is where he indulges. And I don't mean indulge by like gaining pleasure through what he does. But his daughters get him wasted two nights in a row. And they both sleep with him. And then they both end up being pregnant. Right? Mm-hmm. The problem is Lot fails to have a well ref- a well enough founded strength to not want to imbibe an alcohol to that degree that often. Most guys I know have been drunk. Most of the time it's like not a, like it's not like hey, I'm going out tonight to get blackout drunk. Like I'm going to go out and have a couple beers. And a couple beers turns into a couple more, a couple more turns into one or two more, and then one or two more turns into like now I'm throwing up. Mm-hmm. You didn't set out to do that. One time every couple years is it, it's not like acceptable because that, that kind of behavior is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. But I understand it happens. Lot does it two times in a row. Like that's not. That's not normal. And then he ends up banging both of his kids. They both get pregnant. And then their children end up creating armies to fight against the Israelites. Mm-hmm. So now more what we're looking at sin. is more generational sin because of the failures of the family. And again, like I said earlier, the failure in the family start and end with the husband. The husband's failures. And guys, this is really important. You have so much responsibility and so much weight on your shoulders. You need to be a real man. 
not because you want to be, not because it's a cool idea, but because the risk does not outweigh the cost, right? The risks associated with being a beta man, or I'm sorry, the risk of, no, the risks of being a beta don't outweigh the costs of being an alpha, right? So it's difficult to be an authentic alpha male. You have to work out, you have to be disciplined, you have to be intelligent, you have to go get educated, you have to do all of these things. That's really hard. But the cost, those costs don't outweigh the risks that failure as a beta come with, right? Like it's not easy getting up two hours earlier when you have to get up at four in the morning to go to work. So you have to get up at two or 2.30 to go to the gym. That's not easy. Or it's not easy working 12 hours a day because you have to make sure that your wife can stay home and take care of your kids and your kids have enough food to eat and you've got a good house and you've got all of the things that you need. That stuff's not easy. But not doing them comes with far more risk. And then it ends up affecting way more people. You talked about it in your bio. I talked about it a little bit in mine. The failures of fathers affect our family and our family's friends and our children, and they affect us and they affect our parents in way more ways than the people who failed originally ever thought it would be. Yes. So these sins have long lasting generational effects. It's not just, you know, generational demons attacking you. Yeah. It is, and it can be, but these sins have long lasting impacts in the personalities of people, which then dictate how those people interact with their families. Mm -hmm. And it takes so much hard work to unscrew up yourself and to not screw up your next generation of kids. Look at that. That was beautiful. Um, so yeah, so if you look, look through the examples that we've given, what ends up happening is they end up releasing plagues on the earth, right? Quite literally in the case of Noah, quite literally in the case with Moses and mm -hmm. God, God releasing a whole bunch of plagues on the earth, right? Um, there are a number of times in the Old Testament where the earth is just a total disaster because men aren't leading their homes the way that they should be and the people then fall away from God. And then God gets mad and then God punishes the people justly and rightfully because they're not giving God God's due reverence. They're not respecting the Lord. They're not, they're not praying to the Lord. They're not giving the Lord his due. And when you don't pay the piper, the piper's going to come down and thump you around a little bit. Well, what we see is a true perversion of what marriage was supposed to be, what Adam and Eve were created and made to be, and the example they were supposed to set on their kids. And we didn't even talk about Cain, Cain and Abel and what happened with that, but the effects that that has throughout time and what we're still seeing in today and, you know, the attacks on the family and, yeah, brain, you just look so good with that beard. Sorry, my brain went right out the window. Hashtag pregnant. <laughs> That's not an announcement, by the way. More of just a, an indication of where our life is going. Well, when they abdicate those roles, right, and they step outside of their own lanes, that's when you see this disorder, and yeah. it just continues. We've talked about it in live streams. The, 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 the worst times in our marriage have been when neither one of us 
are staying in our lanes. 100%. And I've, I've been very vocal on this. I came from a broken home. My dad was not really around. And there are so many Catholic psychological podcasts and stuff that you can go research on this. But when women are not around strong men who are there to show them the example so that they can truly fashion the roles and vocations that they're being called mm -hmm. to, they then become that strong man. So it took, and it still is taking, lots of time for me to unlearn bad habits of growing up in a quote-unquote feminist household where there were not strong men. I don't think you need like men. a quote-unquote. You grew up in a feminazi house. Yes. Hardcore. And I'd already started the process of getting out of that before you and I started a relationship. But it is still unfolding mm -hmm. fun little nuggets of crap. Mm -hmm. I would say that. That's true. There's no other way of... Feminism is crap. There's no other way of explaining <laughs> it. No. Okay, so let's get to the good stuff, right? This is where it gets better, right? It's <laughs> um, the one way to put it. Yeah, this is where it gets really good. This is where things go right. Thank God. Yeah. Thank literally. God. Yeah, quite literally. Um, the holy family, right? And I, like, I, I hate... I don't hate using an example... Obviously, the Holy Family is going to be like the perfect example, but I think you dislike it because everyone uses that you example, think I, which is I want to be original it's and unique right. because if I'm not originally unique, then how am I going to be special and I'm never going to look <laughs> yeah. right? But the Holy Family, right? So let's look at the three parts of the Holy Family. I'm going to talk about Joseph because I think it again, like we all know, you know. You know, one of the few things that Pope Francis has done that was really good was he initiated this year devotion to St. Joseph, mm -hmm. right? Because for a long time, St. Joseph was passed over because, you know, it, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the line in the scripture, a prophet is not recognized in his own home, right? So, like, it, it was really difficult for Jesus to be Jesus if he stuck around in the same town. We're like, wasn't that... Jesus, the guy that like <laughs> tripped and fell as a kid, or like I, I swear, when Jesus was three, I saw him eat a booger. Like he can't be the Messiah. He picked his nose. No, didn't he come from like the really poor people? Like so, like Joseph gets overlooked, right? But Joseph is in the holy family. He's the least holy of the three, mm -hmm. and he's a completely normal dude. And that's, that's the beauty of St. Joseph, right? Like Mary is saved from original sin, like at conception, no stain of original sin. It's not like she had original sin and it was forgiven. Like she didn't get it. Jesus doesn't get it because Jesus is God, right? So you've got in Mary, the perfect version of a woman. In Christ, you have not only the perfect version of a man, because God is both equal, Christ is both equal parts man and God at the same time. Christ is the perfect man. Eve is the perfect woman saved from sin. And Jesus just is also God. But Joseph, he's ripe with original sin, right? Like he's not saved from it. He's got, I'm sure he was given extra grace, but he wasn't given like the, the, the saving nature of not being born with original sin. However, Joseph is, you know, like a lot of people have, have kind of caught on to this. Joseph is the small s savior of the capital S savior, right? It starts at the beginning, right? Joseph does what every father should do, what every husband should do. So let's look at 
what Joseph does that Lot didn't do. Joseph protects the purity of Mary. When Mary becomes pregnant, Joseph finds out. Joseph decides to divorce her in private. For those of you guys that don't know, divorcing her in private does not mean like behind back doors he divorces her. It means Joseph was going to assume all of the shame in the divorce, leaving Mary with none of the stigma of being a, a, a single mother, right? Joseph was going to leave her in a way that maintained as much dignity as, as the culture would allow, right? So that's Joseph's first line of thinking is to protect Mary's dignity. The next is submission to God. Angel comes to, to Joseph and he's like, hey, man, let me just explain this to you. Like, she's pregnant, but it was with God. So, like, she didn't cheat on you. So she's still, like, her purity is still intact. She wasn't um, unfaithful to you. You should probably stay with her. Adam, being a man, has, being a human, has free will. So Joseph is like, well, then I'll stay, right? Like, okay, like, I'll do this. Like, I'll submit to the Lord. Like, if that's the will of the Lord, boom, done. Joseph stays, right? Then Jesus is born. And the angel comes to Joseph and he's like, you need to get the F out of Dodge. Like, you need to leave. They're going to come start killing babies. You need to get out of town. You need to protect Jesus. Joseph isn't like, oh, you know, Tuesday's not a good day for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there's a there's a couple of us that like to throw some shekels around and you know gamble. Joseph, I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, like I'll get back to you. Like maybe next Thursday, I can pencil you guys in and do this whole like moving thing. No, Joseph packs up Mary, packs up Jesus, gets on their donkey, gets out of Dodge. Right then, they go to Egypt. Right, and then the angel comes to Joseph and he's in Egypt and he's like, Yeah, hey, I know you just tracked <laughs> all over here, but you need to go. Like you need to go back. Joseph's like, cool, back they go. And this is not like an easy track. This isn't like, you know, you're walking from like one side of your town to the other. Like this is a long, painful, dangerous journey. So Joseph submits to the Lord and he does it, which leads to the next aspect of Joseph. Joseph is a tough dude. Obviously, with him being a carpenter or a stonemason, like there, there's a lot of like theories as to what Joseph's actual profession was. We know he worked with his hands. Um, you didn't work with your hands back then, and like, oh, I've got carpal tunnel <laughs> from typing some. Like, like he, it wasn't any of that. Like Joseph was a tough guy. Hence, Joseph being the terror of demons. Like you don't get to terrorize demons if you're just kind of like a weakling. Like there's got to be some umph to you. So Joseph not only protected the dignity of Mary and her purity. Joseph protected Jesus because Joseph submitted to the will of the Lord, but Joseph continued to protect his family, not only on their journeys, but throughout the rest of their life until Joseph ends up leaving, leaving like dying, because he's a tough guy, right? Like, yeah, Jerusalem wasn't like an easy thing. Like being a Jew in Judea, like that, like not easy stuff. You needed to be tough. And Joseph was tough, which then leads to like, the last big part of Joseph. Joseph, as, 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 how do I want to say this? I lost it. 
If I knew where your brain was going, I, I would. Um, Mary from shame, clean to Egypt. I had this thing that I wanted to say about Joseph that was just like so banging. And then it just kind of like, it, it was like all my other good thoughts. It just, <laughs> it just leaves. Like, you covered submission. You covered obedience. Well, I guess if, if it's important, I'll interrupt you. Be, feel free, because <laughs> if your brain is doing this and I'm staring at you, my brain is the same, so it's okay. Okay. Right, well, then you can, you can hit Let's talk about Mama Mary. Yeah. And how... I hate when you say that. I know you hate that, but she is just beautiful. Yes. I, I love that. Oh, yes. Did I trigger you? You did. Brain? You didn't trigger. <laughs> Joseph is a dude, right? Joseph is not saved from original sin. Joseph has temptations as a man. Joseph is married to the most beautiful woman in the history of existence. Oh, yeah. And manages to curtail the sexual desire that a man has for a beautiful woman that he's married to, that I'm assuming sleeps in the same bed with, day in and day out, because Joseph understands that Mary is not only a perpetual virgin, and she's like promised that virginity to the Lord, but he maintains it for the rest of her life. How freaking tough do you have to be to be a chaste, abstinent man married to a beautiful woman. I know I'm pulling my hair out six weeks after you have a kid. I'm losing my hair. I'm losing my mind. I think you're smoking hot. And we we don't even sleep in the same bed like right after you have a kid because like maybe we're not even in bed. Because I'm usually you probably have a sleep like, up with the baby. You're like in a chair with the baby and I'm like, oh, like you're I really cute from over there, and like I'm counting Are down the days. Hey, what the doctor say? <laughs> Is there a three week exception to this? Uh, um, but Joseph, like, not to underscore, like you know, with joking because it it is funny. Our thing is funny. Joseph manages to live an entire life with the most beautiful woman in the world, and he sacrifices so much to maintain Mary's purity. Not only with his reputation when he thinks about divorcing her in private, but every day Joseph has to get up and make the decision to be a faithful husband and to protect her chastity. And he does it because Jesus has no brothers or sisters. Unlike what our Protestant brothers and sisters would say, Christ is an only child. And Joseph maintains and protects Mary's purity or her purity and her chastity his entire life. And that's a beautiful thing that men fail to do so often. And, and you look at old, all, all the scripture in the Old Testament, guys suck at not having illicit, inappropriate, unconventional, unapproved, poorly timed sexual relationships. <clears throat> it's one of the easiest, most common sins for a really tough guy to fall into and the most destructive in our culture right now. Especially when you look at the, the second secret in Fatima, when our Blessed Mother is talking mm. about all the souls going into hell. Not only does she show us what hell looks like, she shows it being full. She shows people going into it and she goes, Oh, and by the way, 
most of these people are going here because of sins of a sexual nature. Mm -hmm. And yet Joseph, a regular man, which is, I think, the beauty in it, maintains all of that, which is a message to men out there. It's possible. It's not too difficult. It's not like, you know, like, oh, well, like nobody else has had to do this. You know, like we went a long time between um, one of our sets of kids. Um, we were chased and abstinent because like we were working, like we were just beginning this NFP thing and figuring it out. Um, and that was really difficult. It was difficult on our marriage. It was difficult in our personal life. And we overcame it. Thank God. But I, I don't know if I could have done that for, I, I know I could have done it for 30 years because there's no choice, right? But it would be an incredible thing to have gone through, incredibly difficult to have done it for 30 something years, right? We don't know how, how long before Christ's public mission starts, ministry starts, but you know, Jesus is about 30 when he starts it, Joseph's gone. So let's like, let's call it 25-ish years that Joseph is being this badass, tough dude, being super respectful and protective of Mary and Christ and her chastity and purity. That's where I wanted to leave. That was beautiful. I'm really yeah. glad you remember that. I think you hit that first when we started talking about Joseph. I can't remember. It was beautiful. And you totally sidetracked me. So I'm going to try to attempt to salvage whatever I had you, in my brain. You're talking about Mary and her beauty. And her fiat. Mary's yes. And how absolutely beautiful that was. Her fiat, her true submission to the will of God. I just hate when people say yes. I know. I digress. So Mary's submission. Mm -hmm. So her relationship with God. What's your favorite that you love? What is it? Your, her favorite title is Spouse of the Holy Spirit. I, I, it's, it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite titles of Mary. Right? I mean, like, she's got some really good. She's got some great titles. Amazing titles. Like Co-Redemptrix. <laughs> Mediatrix of all graces. Like those are two really cool ones, but spouse of the Holy Spirit. It's um um mother, mother of the Savior, daughter to the Father, and spouse of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's like shit. That's pretty cool. Like you're married to the Holy Spirit. That's that's cool. That's really cool. Like that's fire right there. So Mary is really the perfect example of that feminine warrior personality. Mm -hmm. Personality is not really the exact word I'm thinking of, but it gives you a really good picture. So her submission completely to the will of God, being a good Jewish woman, mm -hmm. knowing the prophecy, right? She still gave that fiat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like we talked about this earlier, like that stupid song at Christmas. Oh, I Mary, know you hate that. Did you know? Of course, she that knew. baby <laughs> boy. It's like, yeah, she was not a dumb Jew. Like she knew exactly what was up when she didn't say yes. When Mary accepted the will of the Lord, which is different than saying yes. Just so everybody understands this, not saying no is not saying yes. Right? Mary was presented with the will of the Lord, and she didn't say, yeah. Sure, sounds like a plan. Right? Like, because yes, yes, is be predicated off of this, this, equ this equalness, right? Like, you say yes because, like, there's an equal distinction in the relationship where, like, like, think about it this way. Like, when you ask a question of your kids, they don't really get the option of saying yes. 
It's more of a command. Will you pick up your room? Yeah, that's not really the answer I'm looking for. I'm looking for like, will you pick up your room? Okay, that's the answer I'm looking for, right? They have the free will to say yes or no, but they don't get to because I'm the authority figure in the house, the leader, the spiritual head, the priest, the prophet, and the king in my home. My children don't get to say stuff like no. Like that's like, if no is the answer to a question, like, <laughs> did you pick up your room? No. It's like, well, you might want to go do that. Yes. No, nah, yes isn't the word I'm looking for. Okay. Mary's fiat is not a yes because we don't want to diminish the beauty of what that fiat is. It's more beautiful when it's not her saying yes, when it's her saying do unto me according to your will. That is submission. Mm -hmm. And you phrase it, I always massacre it, you phrase submission so beautifully. Um, yes. So then we, then we move on to Mary's submission to Joseph, right? As a, her, her, the true role of her as a wife mm -hmm. before being a mother, mm -hmm. right? Her feminine genius and what that meant, especially in that time. So what Pierce is referencing is there is a video on wife's how to submit to your husband that... Christopher West says, and he is from Theology of the Body Institute. He's amazing. If you haven't found this video or come across it, it's on YouTube. But the true submission of a wife to the husband is you break it apart. It's submission. So women are submitting to the mission of the family. So Mary submitted to Joseph's mission to get them out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. And what would have happened if she would have nagged and no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to listen to you. No, Why I just I gave birth. I don't want to do that. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm in pain. I'm going to go ride on a donkey after giving birth. Like she submitted to her husband. Mm -hmm. So the video explains <clears throat> like when you break it out, submission, <clears throat> you're submitting yourself to the mission of your husband, your spouse, so that your spouse can go complete his mission which in essence is to provide, project, preside, and die on the cross mm -hmm. for you and your kids. And it's one of the most beautiful things. It really is. I mean, like, and so like, think about it this way. It's not like Joseph came home after a long day of masoning or carpenting or whatever he was doing <laughs> and was like, hey, what's for dinner? And Mary's like, um, I birthed the Lord. You can make your own dinner. <laughs> Right? There's like none of that. Like she is the perfect wife. She is the perfect mother. She is the perfect everything. And she submitted to Joseph in every single way that a wife should submit to her husband with the exception of sexually. Which, I mean, like it goes without saying. Like I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty on that one. Mary is the perfect example of how to submit to the will of the Lord to your husband because that's what the Lord wants you to do. It's not like the Lord's like, yeah, I mean, like if he's a nice guy, go ahead. The Lord's like, no, you submit to the husband as the head of the house, just as the husband submits to the church as the church submits to Christ. Yes. Right. So like there's this hierarchy. Wife submits to husband because the husband has authority. Husband submits to the church because the church has authority. The church submits to Christ because Christ has authority. So there's this hierarchy, and Mary understands and fulfills her role in that perfectly. 
and the way you see it play out in society and secular culture today is a complete flipped, absolutely disgusting version of what like the no, lack of the true feminine genius yeah. really shows. Nobody submits to each other. Nobody submits to the church. Nobody submits to the Lord. Husbands submitting themselves to wives, right? So like this Let's is not the, even talk about Fatima yeah. and the equality movement, the feminist movement out of Russia. Um, but <clears throat> the way that we explain it best, especially when it comes to like talking to our non-Catholic friends and our non-Catholic family or even our crap Catholic family or crap Catholic friends um, I am the captain of our family ship, right? It goes where I command. Um, I'm not the navigator though. I'm the captain. So I have a navigator and I ask the navigator certain questions about the direction of our ship. Are we on track? Is this what I want to do? Is this where like, Hey, is our ship headed in the direction that I want it to go? Yes, cool. No, where do we need to go? How are we off course? My wife helps me navigate the ship. She gives me help in the navigating. But ultimately, as the captain, it's my job to be like left full rudder, right full rudder, left five degrees, left or right far. Like, like that's my job. That's not her job. She's not over there like, yeah, like maybe you should slow it down a little bit. Thanks. Okay. Like my wife gives input because I ask for input because that's what a husband does. But ultimately, the weight and the responsibility of steering the ship falls on my shoulders. That doesn't negate her importance or her dignity or her position of importance in the family. What it does is it it fulfills and enables my wife to live the best life in her way. And allows our family to move forward the best way possible. The number of times I've seen women crushed in professional careers because they've been told their entire life that they're equal to men. And when they don't, when they find out that they're not equal to men for any reason, their world comes crashing down. And that's so sad to see because they've been lied to. For so long and when they realize that they're faced with either acknowledging that they're not equal in the way that they've been told or they're feeling this unequal treatment it crushes them and that's it's devastating and it's it's horrible to see that and as men it's our job to set out realistic expectations for the people around us so that they can live up to those expectations so that they can live a fulfilled life a satisfying life and a happy life that's our job you don't give the people you love unrealistic and unattainable goals or expectations because all you're doing is setting them up for misery, distrust, and failure. Well, there's wonderful attributes that masculinity and true femininity, you know, show. Men are giving, women are receiving. You know, it's my role to nurture and we, you know, we teach our children together, but mm -hmm. those are mainly my roles in our family. It's not my job to go out on the front line and go protect and, you yeah, like, know. Yeah, I'm not going to go breastfeed the kids <laughs> while I give you the 30-pound sword. But that doesn't mean that I am not also there ready to mama back bear. up and mama bear and protect and mm -hmm. defend. So especially when, to, to put it back with Mary real quick, she is the ultimate warrior. She is absolutely wonderful. If you look at any of her, so 
that we've um, been reviewing the devotion to the Sorrowful Mother lately. There's um, there's this passage here that if you're not familiar with this, um, there are seven sorrows of Mary. Um, there's so I'm a big abiding together podcast fan. I uh, there's like a couple podcasts that I listen to uh-huh. pretty pretty well. They're, they actually have an episode on Mary from last Advent that was wonderful, and it's about her being this great warrior. And they quote this poem from G.K. Chesterton about how there are seven swords in her heart, but one was in her hand. And one of my favorite, um, I guess, studies here in the Devotion to the Sorrowful Mother is how Mary is the queen of martyrs. And it says, an angel revealed to St. Bridget that if our Lord had not miraculously sustained his mother, she could not possibly have survived her martyrdom. Richard of St. Victor says, in martyrs, the intensity of their love mitigated their sufferings, but with Mary, it was different. The more she loved, the more she suffered. And how that speaks to motherhood. So Mm -hmm. we've gone over Mary as, you know, the wife, as the wife, now moving on to Mary as the mother Mm -hmm. and the true mama bear aspect of that and the suffering that comes from that when you're trying to, you know, show your children the right, right way and the right path. Um, but with, with that, see, you just look, your beard just distracted me. Can you just, can you just stop? You get that little twinkle in your eye and I'm it's sorry. just, I'm just going to sit here like I'm this look, for a minute. I'm look over here. But Don't I mean, look here. So nothing comes between a mother trying to protect her child. Mm-hmm. Like that is when women <clears throat> go to battle is when the woman picks up the sword is to assist in protecting the children. Now that's not the main role. That's not the main devotion, but that doesn't mean that why well, I'm not going to be right there behind you or between what other danger there is between you and the children. Yeah. And Mary sets a beautiful example of that. And not only just that, but with her apparitions and what she's warning and she's, she's fierce yeah, and she crushes the head, barefoot. right? Like that's like barefoot. <laughs> I just I love that they said that in the podcast, and I died. It's like oh, it's so true, right? She's but like, she she actually does battle, mm-hmm. right? But I, and I I think the beauty here is that look at the state of life when it comes to being a warrior. Mary did not stop Christ's passion. No. I'm sure she had enough angelic sway, right? Not that she's an angel, but I'm sure she had enough sway with the angels that she could have asked for something and tried to save save her, her baby boy from being tortured and murdered. To take on that pain. But she didn't. She didn't do a thing to stop it because she understood... That that would not be submission to the Lord mm-hmm. and to the will of the Lord. It would be subversive mm-hmm. of the will of the Lord. And so she doesn't. She doesn't. Right? So and she feels the pain. And and because she feels that pain when we sin against her son, we inflict pain on our mother too. Right? So we're not just driving a sword into the heart of our Lord. We're poking her with swords too. So... The last bit, and this is going to be an easy one, easy, heavy quotes. How do you establish your own warrior family? The easy, the easy thing, and it's, it's 
The simple thing is to start living as Mary and Joseph lived. Joseph and Mary were submissive to the Lord in all ways. Mary was submissive to Joseph in all ways. Joseph led his house. Mary nurtured in their house. That's the first step. That's that's what like you can't be like, well, there's this really cool trick and there's this really cool trick. The first the first one is to master submission in the right order. Wife submits to the husband, husband submits to the church and to Christ. You don't get you don't get to be a warrior if you don't submit. So there's a a, a guy Simon, I think is his name, but he talks about how Navy SEALs pick out the candidates for SEAL Team 6. He says they break it down into the four things. Um, their trustworthiness on one scale and on the other side, their, like their skill sets, right? So you don't want anybody who's got low skill set, low trustworthiness. Everybody wants the guy who's high trustworthy, high skill set. But the, the SEAL Team guys will pick low skill set, high trustworthiness over guys who are high skill set, low trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So what you need to do is you need to recognize where you are and to start building from there. That's the foundation. The foundation is, am I a good husband? Am I a faithful leader? Am I doing these things correctly? Once you get those, then what you can start to do is build the more, like I'll call them the, the more fine-tuned aspects of being a warrior, right? Like if you don't submit to the Lord, if you don't submit to the will of the Lord and then bear the responsibility of that submission in your family, you're not going to build a warrior family. You're going to build a whole bunch of violent people and violent in different ways. So the first thing is you shoulder that responsibility. You carry your cross of being a warrior for God. You submit to the will of the Lord. You submit to the church, which is going to be a nice little segue into the next episode. Wife, you submit to your husband. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to teach your children the true way to submit to their parents. Stop losing fights with your kids over stupid ass stuff. If it's not worth the fight, don't make it an issue, right? Don't. Don't allow failure, um, but start drawing lines and demanding submission from your children. And you don't have to do it in this like vindictive, arbitrary way. You do it faithfully and you do it lovingly. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the first step, right? So start with that and then come back for probably it'll be episode three um, in the podcast where we start going over like how to start building the individual warrior nature and then we'll culminate in the ultimate warrior family and how to go from there. Mm. You got anything? I think you just, I'm just going to say wife, submit to your husband, get your kids out of public school, bring them home, start teaching them. Get them That's out of Catholic your, school. Yeah. Get them out of Catholic school. It's your main responsibility. It's you have to raise them right. Do not rely on anyone else to do that for you. That is your true vocation and your calling. And if you ignore it, like I did for as long as I did, you will have this disorder and continuation of generational sins and what we've referred to previously as plague on the earth.
Cool. All right, we're on your prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Uh, shame, shameless self-promotion time. Uh, podcast. Please follow it. Give it a review. Share it. Um, you can find us on Instagram at the final stronghold. One word, no space, no caps, no periods, no underscores, no nothing like that. Um, follow the page. Share the page. Share the post. Share the podcast. Like the podcast. Five star review. Um, I think we're going to be available everywhere. I have to upload an episode before I can actually tell everybody we're, we're available, but we'll be available everywhere. Um, Follow Mrs. Catholic Guardians at Mrs. Catholic Guardians. I have a private page. This is all new to me. I know. I promise I will get better. Yeah. So follow her on Facebook. Don't be offended if she doesn't accept it right off the bat. Or follow her on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't be offended if she doesn't accept right away. You've got like two or three hundred requests that because it's my main duty to keep the children alive yeah. and provide that if, little if, you, if you're trolling through the phone like one of them will escape or kill the other or run away or play with a knife paint the house with sharpie so i'll do something it's not personal guys uh yeah and then you can follow me at catholic underscore guardians follow uh, like again i'm on instagram and facebook i ignore facebook pretty much entirely because it's too difficult so follow us on instagram um we make rosaries as a family. This is a family shtick. Uh, so we have a family rosary business. It's CatholicGuardiansArmory.com. Finds us, uh, well, it links to our Etsy page where you can get all sorts of super cool rosaries, if I do say so myself. <laughs> They're all handmade. Um, we don't outsource anything. We, we literally just make them in our living room or dining room or kitchen or study anywhere. We, we make them in the study. house mm-hmm. within the, you know, the, the walls four of this walls house. of this house. Um, so show some support for the page that way. Um, we've had a couple people already ask about how to like financially contribute to. Really? Yeah. We've had a couple. It's been. Really? I know. This is all so new and I shocking know. to me. I will get out of this bubble of yeah. nerves, hopefully at some point. Uh, but so like if you do want to contribute financially to the page, the best way is just to order a rosary. Um, so the best way to contribute is to arm yourself. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about Mary and her weapons. Anywho, that's a, that's for a later episode. That's, that's another episode. So um, pray the rosary every day. If you don't, you're wrong. Um, wives, submit to your husbands. Husband, be a man worthy of being submitted to. Beautiful. That's it? That's it. All right. God bless. Have a good night.